Last week, we talked with Mrs. Minnesota about finding great mentors. This week, we chat with a widely trusted financial advisor and a genius thinker about the concept of legacy. After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots into for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We are really excited. We have back with us today, Adriana Batista. He was uh, with us just for a quick little version of the interview a few weeks ago, but he's a financial advisor that Lisa and I have really come to respect and trust and just enjoy conversation with. He's with True North Advisory Group in Maple Grove up here in Minnesota in the U.S., and uh, his focus is helping people retire in a way way where they don't uh, outlive their income. And uh, we just, we love that mindset and that philosophy behind his business. He cares about actually helping people, uh, not just the bottom line. And so, Adriano, thank you so much for being with us again today. Well, thanks for having me back. I didn't scare you guys off the first time either, huh? (laughs) No, it was a fantastic interview, and we're really excited to dive in in a bit more detail and really pull out some of the nuggets, because we know that you're a very wise person. And mm-hmm. uh, from our conversations that we've had, it's just it's going to be a fun, uh, fun thing to pull some of that out. So, yeah. So, Adriano, for our listeners, would you share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, um, whatever you think might be relevant or interesting? Um, well, maybe I'll start with just how I kind of got into the business. Um, you know, I, I graduated from the University of Minnesota got an economics degree there, and uh, very quickly found myself uh, going towards the financial advising uh, side of the business, Uh, but I I didn't know exactly the direct route I wanted to go, right? So shortly after college, I was getting licensed to do this job, met met some people, uh, started working with them uh, part-time, just trying to make sure this was a right fit, and discovered that it was a good fit for me. Uh, I, I really liked how people were coming into the office and they came in with a problem uh, and I just I just enjoyed watching the process of seeing how we can take a problem and then educate them and coach them through to a solution. Um, so that was the good part of it. But, uh, you know, the downside with where I started was um, even though the people I worked with were great people, they weren't necessarily great teachers, right? So I, mm. I, I felt like a void there. So I thought, okay, I got to find a way to uh, get the training that I feel that I need. So so sometime uh, not long after that, I, I uh, started to look for other opportunities. I got um, hooked up with a John Hancock office in Maple Grove, and that was a better fit. There were better mentors there, uh, better ways of learning the business, and, you know, it taught me the taught me the process to really uh, bring people from day one when they come in with uh, with a, with with questions and bring them through uh, by 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 taking them through a plan and then executing that plan so that was a good thing but the challenge with the John Hancock uh, office in the beginning was you know I didn't have a lot of clients in the in, in the beginning right so I, I didn't come from a family where 
you know, I had a parent in the business, you know, I found, and, and I, I didn't know this before I got into the business, but I found a lot of people that were starting in this business uh, were starting because they had family members in the business before them. So they were able to kind of bring them on board, show them the ropes, and uh, they had a client base that they could share with them. And I didn't really have that. So I, I was lacking that, looking for that. And what was great about the John Hancock approach was uh, they they had a pool of clients that they called orphans. They they didn't have a rep anymore for one reason or another. Maybe they retired, moved, whatever. Um, so I would call on those people, and and that's how I got my start, and and that's where I got my early base. But what was cool didn't necessarily seem cool at the time. But what was cool was this was 2008, and if you guys remember 2008, there were some crazy things happening in the world, especially <laughs> mm-hmm. in the investment world. That's where things kind of just went off a cliff and some people, you know, lost 30, 40% or more of their wealth in a short time period. And while that didn't feel like a good thing um, for me or anyone, uh, it, it created a lot of opportunities for me that I don't think I otherwise would have had. Because when you're newer to the business and you don't have a huge book of clients, uh, you're not really so worried about losing your clients, right? Uh, but there were a lot of advisors out there that I think that were paralyzed uh, by what was going on in the market. And, uh, you know, I, I think they, some, some clients felt like they weren't getting the contact they needed and the information they needed. And so it provided a lot of opportunity for me to call on people and educate them through that process and be a voice, uh, of reason for them. And, uh, it, it really allowed me to uh, establish my base that much quicker. So That's there you awesome. go. That's uh, making lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> Well, I, that's a, that is a success principle that is so important for any area of work, any career, any legacy that somebody's trying to build is, you know, the ability to look at a challenge and see it more like an opportunity than uh, a negative against you, right? Because you could have even, even starting out, you could have looked at it and said like, oh, this is what a terrible climate to be trying to build a new base of customers when no one has trust in the market and blah, 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 all this stuff, right? But instead, you looked at it as like, hey, no, this is a chance for me to actually help people, and they're going to be open to hearing what I have to say. Yeah. Um, Coming out of, you know, living through 2008 in the last decade, and kind of where we are now, where, like, I know the market, a lot of days is high, not all days is high, but um, knowing that there is uncertainty, what have you learned from back then, like back then you were getting started, now you're more seasoned. Uh, how have you adjusted the way that you're working with your clients? Well, you know, it, it was, a, it was a good time to start because, you know, in the last year or two, we've, we've had some, uh, turbulence, right. In, in the investment world. And, you know, thankfully it hasn't been as bad as 2008, but what 2008 taught me is if you keep a dialogue open and people keep people in the conversation, um, you can really mitigate a lot of further damage that they might otherwise be Mm. prone to make, you know, by making emotional decisions. So just making yourself available. Um, and, um, you know, more recently with, with the COVID world that we find ourselves in, uh, just allowing yourself to, uh, to change your business model and be where the clients are. So, you know, in the past it was a lot more in-person meetings today. It's much more virtual, but making sure that you can still maintain that connection with people and let them know that you're paying attention and let them know that, Hey, we, we knew times like this were going to happen. This was predictable. We, 
We talked about this up front and just reminding them of the principles we talked about early on. It gives them uh, a sense of um, security, I think, to know that, hey, yeah. we knew this was going to happen. You know, it's, it's, you got a rain jacket in your closet in case it rains, you know. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you, they know that you're not surprised by what's going on and that you have a plan for them and that this was part of the plan that we made. Yeah, that's smart. And being able to stick to a plan, right? Because you need those seasons where you are of the mental faculties enough to make good decisions for the years ahead when you aren't going to be in the right mental faculties to make those same good decisions. And then it's at those times where you need to remember, okay, I trust myself from three years ago. I trust that I had my head on straight three years ago. And I need to stick to that. And that's a that's a great thing for all of our listeners to think of, not just in the financial wor- world, but with parenting decisions, with decisions when it comes to building and growing their organizations. Uh, there mm-hmm. are going to be days where it's awful and it doesn't and it's not fun at all. And you need to be able to look back and remember why you started so you can continue to move forward. Yeah. Mm hmm. When you look at your clients and you're and you're calling them, I love it. You said that you communicate with them to mitigate those emotional decisions. Um, you know, you lived through 2008, both with clients and with other people that you work with. You've been doing this for a while. What do you see as some, um, like, I don't know if I want to call them like character attributes, but what are some commonalities that you see be within your clients who seem to be able to ride that emotional roller coaster the best? Um, let me think about that. So I, I think that, well, I, I don't know. Could you ask that question a little bit differently? I, I need a little clarification. Yep. Do you want to? Yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> so like, what are some things that, you know, that you've worked with clients that, uh, that are more successful when it comes to making good decisions and that kind of stuff. So what are some of the commonalities that you see between those types of clients versus maybe they, they pop in and then they just, they, they don't pay attention to what's going on with the market and then they just like drop a portfolio or whatever, like that kind of stuff. Right. So there are going to be some personality traits or commonalities between the clients that are doing well versus the ones that are not. Because I want our listeners to be able to say like, hey, if I can build this personality trait in myself, I'm gonna be able to have better long-term success. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just a commitment up front to, um, to sticking with a plan, right? So like when, when I meet with clients early on, we, we establish pretty quickly, hey, what are your goals? What are your uh, feelings about, um, you know, what, what are your feelings about investing? What are your feelings, you know, what, what feels uh, risky to the client and what doesn't, right? So once, once I know that, um, we, we tailor a plan that's pretty customized to them. And um, I think that by pre-gaming it and showing them in advance, you know, hey, this is where you are now. This is where you're going. You know, think of it like Google Maps, right? If you have a destination uh, on, on the map, and you have your starting point and you see the little purple line that connects the two, well then, you know, even if you get stuck in traffic along the way, you still know where you're headed and mm. where you are. And I think that, um, you know, something I've gotten better at over the years with clients is just getting them 
to commit up front to a, a more specific uh, plan and vision, right? So mm. because that's kind of the barrier to entry for clients is, is saying, hey, are you comfortable with this plan here? And making sure that they are, you know, I, I can say that I don't have a huge, um, I, I don't really have a part of my client list that that gets nervous and just drops off when things get bad. Right. Cause, cause we talk about those things in advance. We know it's coming. So that's, cool. you know, I, I guess it's, it's kind of like uh, if you took somebody that never flew in an airplane before and you're trying to say, Hey, there's this thing called turbulence that might happen. Right. <laughs> and you kind of pregame it with them um, and, and set the expectation that it, it could happen. It might be a little bit uncomfortable, but we'll get through it. So then when it actually happens and they look at you in that moment, like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And you say, hey, no, this is what we talked about. Remember, just remain calm. And I think by reminding them that we that we talked about it in advance and we know where we're going still and, and we know how we're getting there and that this is normal, I think, you know, I haven't really had that challenge, I guess, uh, for the most part. That's cool. Well, I, I love what you said, that the willingness to commit up front to a plan. Lisa and I were just learning this last week from one of our mentors. He talked about how people get in this launch loop mindset where they, mm -hmm. they feel like they have to always start something new. And that, like, at first, that's a really good thing because you have to start something new in order to be able to get somewhere new. But there's also a really important piece to letting something mature over time and especially in the financial world i mean exponential growth is kind of what people are looking for right for their for their finances and so if you don't have that ability to commit to that vision and plan up front you're not going to be able to see it mature over time and you're just constantly going to have little sproutlings of uh, business startups of uh, new things that you're trying to accomplish in your life you're trying. You're changing up disciplinary methods with your kids every two weeks because the last one didn't work. Like you have to give time for mm -hmm. all of these things to mature. And when we're talking about like the long term, right, with like building an entire legacy, you can't. You have to commit to a vision up front to see it grow. You can't just be changing it all the time. And I think that that's that's a huge, huge thing for for all of our listeners. <clears throat> Yeah. And I think it helps um, to just be clear up front with the expectations on, on both ends, right? What, what do they mm -hmm. expect of me? What do I expect of them? I mean, I, it's not to say that everyone loves that approach, right? I mean, there are people early on in the process when they're trying to figure out the approach that may or may not be compatible with it. But I, I find that, you know, if you do a good job educating people up front of, of how you work, um, then even if it's not a fit today, it might be fit down the line. And sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll call back a year or two later and say, hey, you know what? I think I'm ready to uh, to, to try what you said when I met with you a couple of years ago because either they're in a different spot now or they've already tried it other ways and, and now they're ready. Hmm. That's good. That is really good. Um, there was something that I wrote down. Oh, like when you talk about people kind of coming around because you tell them who you want, really you're telling them, this is how I work, and really seeing if that client is a good fit for you. I mean, you mm -hmm. need to be a good fit for them, but also they need to be a good fit for you. And I think sometimes people forget um, about that part of the process. They're so desperate for any client that they'll adjust their strategy to match what the client wants in the short term, even if in the long term it might hurt them. So... When you start looking at um, 
like clients, how did you get to that place? Did you were you always someone who kind of explained everything really well up front or was <laughs> there a trial process? and error? Okay. <laughs> no, I uh no, definitely in the beginning I probably wasn't as clear about that and you know, maybe learn the hard way that sometimes you have to uh while they're interviewing you, you have to you have to also interview them, right? So it's it's a two way street. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I, it it wasn't always that way. But um, but what I what I found and it took a little while, but what I found is that by being selective about who you work with as well, you start to attract more people like the people that you want, right? Because yeah. if you if you find a client that is on board with you know, committing to a plan and sticking with the plan and talking through the ups and downs or the changes that they may want to make. Well, they hang around other people that tend to think like them. Right. And so over time it becomes easier and easier to do that. You're not having to uh, be a selective because you're, you're kind of getting people that are like-minded more and more as you go along. No, yeah, when we work with our clients, it's a really important thing for, for them too, like especially if they're building a nonprofit or a for-profit, to be thinking through, you know, who are the people that I'm serving? Who are the people that I really feel like I'm called to serve or that my purpose is to serve? And really narrowing down to, to make sure that it's the the right fit both ways, right? Am I actually helping? Am I actually providing a, a service that's going to help? Or am I hurting? That's the that's the that's the side of like, am I a good fit for them? But then, likewise, are mm-hmm. they the right person for me? Because when that when those two come together, it's a beautiful thing. Because, like you said, it starts to cycle, it starts to snowball, and uh, that's that like the exponential growth can start to happen. Because you know, like let's say like a nonprofit is working on raising some funds, right? If they can get the right people that are a good fit for them, and they're a good fit for the um, people who are providing funds for their nonprofit, they're going to be talking to all their friends about this amazing nonprofit that they just got a chance to give to because it's such a perfect fit for them. Mm-hmm. And the organic growth of that is so much better and so much more healthy um, because you're not having to beg, borrow, and steal from people just to get uh, a buck, you know? Mm-hmm. Just to build up that interest, you're automatically creating. You're finding your perfect client, then you're also creating additional clients by tapping into their networks, mm-hmm. which is great. Speaking of nonprofits, um, so about half the people we listen to are that we listen to or listen or to that us. listen to us um, are leaders in business. <laughs> a bunch of them are leaders in nonprofits. There's a lot of overlap, but one thing that I hear about people who work in the nonprofit sector in particular is I don't really have much to be able to invest, and so they kind of almost mentally want to wait until they've built up something. Um, And I know Mm -hmm. one person in particular was like, I'm kind of embarrassed to go show my numbers because I don't feel like it's going to be worth an advisor's time. Um, What advice do you have for people who are looking at getting started? To just start, right? So you Mm -hmm. don't, it's a fallacy to believe that you you need to have $10,000 or $50,000 or $100,000 you know, you just have to start with, with goodwill and intention. I mean, um, you know, I've started accounts over the years, you know, some of the the bigger clients that I have now, I was lucky to start with them. Uh, They were were close in age to me. So when I graduated from college and got an early start, I started working with them and they started from scratch. They started with $0 and just came, we, we came up with a plan. 
and that's grown over time. So the, you know, the, the thing to know is that it is okay to start from scratch um, and that you can do it. There is a place for you. And frankly, that's how everyone gets started unless, uh, well, I guess some of us, not me, but maybe some people <laughs> grow up in a family where they Trust might fun. inherit, you know, a good start. But, but for a lot of other people, that's not the case and that's okay. And, and frankly, you know, I think that's part of where I got my inspiration to become an advisor is because, you know, I, I, I came from, um, a background where, um, where, I mean, we were, we were fine growing up. I, I didn't feel like we were poor or anything, but we didn't, we weren't super wealthy. I didn't have that knowledge. And part of the reason that I was attracted to this field ultimately is because when I was younger, I was thinking, you know, the same thing. How do I get started? How do I do that? I don't know how to invest. Is it okay to start from zero? Do I have to have a lot of money up front? And, you know, one of the things that drove me in this direction was, you know, I bet I would learn some of those answers if I got involved in that field and had to teach other people. And so that was kind of uh, another element of how I got to where I am. So short answer is you can do it. Um, You can, there are places for you, whether you uh, do it yourself online or you work with an advisor like me, we have a place for you and it's possible. That's awesome. I love what you just said too. It just made me go off on a little bit of rabbit trail, but you said that you wanted to learn about, how to do it so you became uh you you put yourself in a position to have to learn really like to to be Mm -hmm. able to teach somebody else um what are your thoughts on what makes a great teacher because you had said earlier too and you're kind of telling us our back your backstory about how you didn't have like the best teachers around you or the best mentors and you you really sought out a place where you were going to be invested in uh, in a way that worked better for you. So what are a couple of things that make a great teacher? That's a really good question. Um, I think, you know, part of it is just a desire to want to teach and to want to be a mentor. Um, we can all I think know- of teachers right now who like, they don't want to be here. <laughs> Well, and and of course, I I don't mean that you know as, as a slam to anyone that I worked with early on. They were no, they were really great people and great at what they did, but but they weren't teachers, right? They were they were the they were great people to work with. Like they'd be great people to work with now, where you know now that I've had some experience, you know I could work with those guys. But they didn't have um, or they didn't make the time, I should say, to really educate someone on the on the basics on how to do planning, and so. I think a desire and someone that will make time to be available to teach. Hmm. Pretty basic, but I think that's what it is. So then on the flip side of that, what makes a good student? Because now you, you sit, you've sat in both seats, right? So Mm -hmm. what, uh, what do you see as a great student? Someone that's curious and someone that wants to, someone that has a passion for the, for the career or subject that they're in. Right. So, um, and I think someone that realizes that you never check off the box of being a student, you, it's kind of a, I think it's a lifelong attitude to maintain. Right. Um, I think the best advisors, you know, today that I still look up to that I've worked with are people that, uh, are always learning and they, they, they never feel like they've arrived, but always find a new, you know, mountain peak to conquer. 
And so be curious and, you know, maybe someday if I, if I lose that curiosity or feel like that's it, I've learned everything. Maybe that'll be a sign that it's my time to bow out and retire (laughs) and let someone else take my place because I think to be great at your craft, you have to always be learning and improving. Yeah, I mean, the world is constantly changing, right? I mean, this last year has been a great example of people who figured out how to adjust and win in this environment are the people who were curious on how to win in this environment because it's totally different from anything the world has ever seen before. So mm-hmm. um, it's absolutely yeah. you got to pivot. I mean, I have, I have four clients in the last year, you guys, or in the last, you know, six months that I've never physically met. That never happened before. You know, every client I've ever had before in my career, I, I, I would meet them in person and work with them. But I now I have four clients that I've met them, but it was, it was over Zoom. And so <laughs> being able to kind of roll with the punches, if you will, mm-hmm. I think helps. And I, I know that, you know, people colleagues I have that are really frustrated right now, I I would say that part of the reason they're frustrated is I think they're trying really hard to still maintain the same approach that they've had all along. And it's okay until it isn't. And so then you got to roll with the punches. Right. And unfortunately, <laughs> hardships will teach you that you have to change <laughs> if you're unwilling to change. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's not scary, though. It's scary. Um, I, I used to really... Well, I think in life, I still resist change in a lot of ways. But I remember as a kid, my mom used to say, the only constant in life is change. So you got to learn to to deal with it. Yeah. Well, it's especially true when you're like working essentially for yourself or, you know, you have something that you're leading because you know it works, especially if you're systems driven. Like we are very systems driven. And so I find when change happens, it blows up all the systems and even if it's not like a complete we have to rework everything like one little shift kind of it's a domino effect and everything else and and remembering that that's okay like it's actually positive because it makes your system more flexible and more strong um, because something that's too oh, rigid absolutely. something that's too rigid collapses in an earthquake yeah so change is like yoga for your business <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you yeah, and, stretchy and, and just like your your question earlier, how do people get started? Can they, you know, can they start with zero, for example? I mean, same is true in these situations, right? Like, mm-hmm. even though you've never done it before, you have to to be willing to put the first step forward and give it a shot. Because I think many times we're surprised by where we can go, mm-hmm. and uh, when it doesn't work out, you also learn something. Like, okay, there's a guardrail there; we're not going to go that way anymore. <laughs> but it eventually helps you get on your path, I think. Nice. Um, I do have a question for you in terms, because we talked about people who are just getting started. There are obviously people who are beyond that and have already started. But either way, if someone is looking for a financial advisor, because we have some people listen who, in the US, we have some who listen from other parts of the world, uh, what questions should they be asking a financial advisor before agreeing to work with them? Hmm, that's a pretty good question. Um, well, I think just, I think asking them, what is your overall approach to financial planning? So that question will be an easier one to ask if you have a specific goal in mind before you talk to an advisor. Um, 
you know, I find that people that are most satisfied with my answers are the ones that know what they want before they come to me. They might not know how to get there, but they know what they want, right? So they might say, hey, I want to have a retirement plan. I want to know that I can retire at, you know, age 65, for example, and here's what I have so far. Or maybe it's I don't have anything and I want to get started. Um, so if you come to them with a goal that you could specify and then ask them how how is it you can you can help me accomplish this goal? Um, I think you'll find that a lot of great advisors will have a detailed answer to that. And if they don't, maybe maybe that gives you pause. You know, it's either going to be not a good fit with the advisor, or maybe your goal isn't specific enough. But you know, I think a lot of um, what makes an advisor good for somebody is how you feel, how comfortable you feel with them. So. Mm. You know, knowledge is really important, but so is your comfort with just being in a room with them or being on a phone call with them. And you have to be comfortable because sometimes things get uncomfortable, especially when it comes to finances. <laughs> um, you know, things might change. You know, the, all of a sudden the stock market's not doing well, or all of a sudden you have a job loss or something like that. And, you know, something I didn't know prior to becoming an advisor, is as an advisor, you're you're sometimes an unofficial, you know, psychologist kind of working with people and helping them <laughs> through different uh, parts of life. And you just have to make sure you're really comfortable with them because if you feel like you can't share information with your advisor, financial information with your advisor, because you're, you're worried about judgment coming back at you or something like that, I think it's going to ultimately not work out. So highest priority is just how you feel when you're, when you're talking with them and working with them. That's awesome advice. Cause like I, I, I answered your question. No, that did. Cause I was kind of thinking like, what are the things that we look for with advisors or just any business that we want to work with? And one of the, one of the things that I thought of was like, you have to be able to trust this person. They're going to be helping <laughs> you make decisions about your money, whether it's a purchasing decision, whether that's a donation decision, whether that is a, mm-hmm. an investment decision. And, um, by just talking with them and getting an idea of who this person is, is really really important and not just making a well i need uh i need insurance so i'm just gonna go find a insurance guy and get some insurance yeah because for me i like to have all of the information and ask all the questions but i don't like to feel dumb so i need to have an advisor (laughs) who i can go to and feel like i can ask a dumb question that i'm you know but i don't know if it is but just being able to ask the question having that comfort level where i can is Mm -hmm. huge yeah, and make sure they make your goal their goal. That's another thing I would say. I think that's a key thing to be, mm. or to having a good advisor, whether that be financial advisor, real estate advisor, whoever. Just make sure they make your goal, or I'm sorry, yeah, your goal their goal. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I want to help my clients achieve what they want to achieve. I don't, I don't want to make them want to achieve what I want to achieve, right? Because everyone's a little bit different. Right. Mm, that's just a really good principle for all coaching and advising. Yeah, advising. One, one size one size fits all approaches. <laughs> I make it just don't work. Yeah, advisoring. Advisoring. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. It's a good thing I don't talk for a living. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I want to keep talking to you and ask you more questions because I have a ton of notes. Um, but we are kind of winding down our time a little bit. So, Adriano, a final question for you is what does the idea of leaving a legacy mean to you? Um, It's really simple. I would say 
just leave the world a better place than you found it somehow and do that whether or not people are going to know it was you um you know i think you know we used to go to scout camp when i was a kid they would always say when we got to the campsite leave the campsite cleaner better than you found it and you know by everyone applying that principle it was always better for the next person uh, you didn't necessarily know who was responsible for that but they created uh, a situation where you could have where you could come in and um have a better experience because of their efforts and so i would say if we all did that that would make the world a better place even even if we don't know necessarily who was responsible for it but i will say it's hard right it's hard to say hey i'm going to help the world be better and not get credit for it so i haven't entirely <laughs> learned how to reconcile that but i i do think that's the right approach no when you said that my first thought was scout camp because i was that had the same same experience <laughs> Where, yeah, you, you, you walk around, you pick up the wrappers, and you're like, I'm leaving this place a little bit better than I found it, but the last person mm-hmm. didn't, you know? And that, but you have to just remember, like, no, this is what I stand for. Like, I, I want to change the world for the better, and that means that I'm going to, a lot of times I'm going to be picking up somebody else's mess, and that's okay. And that's that's what changing the world and leaving a legacy is really all about. And so, fantastic answer. I love that. I love that you brought it back around to, scouts too because you got a fellow eagle scout (laughs) in the room awesome adriano for our listeners where do they find you because i'm sure our listeners are going to want to know where to find you yes uh you can find me at adrianobatista.com so a-d-r-i-a-n-o-b-a-t-i-s-t-a.com you can also find me at truenorthadvisory.com that might be a little easier to spell and I'm also on Facebook. So if you go on Facebook and search Adriano Batista Financial Advisor, you can follow my Facebook page and uh, you'll get some timely updates as well as some jokes and inspirational quotes once in a while. Uh, so that's the easiest way. That's fantastic. Well, thank you again so much for being with us, everybody. The, all of that is going to be down in the show notes. Uh, so you can reach out as you want to, to Adriano. And uh, Adriano, thank you again so much for your time. This mm-hmm. has been a super fun conversation. You're welcome. Yeah, and I have, I have so many more things that I could say. So someday, if you guys are running out of people, you just give me a call and uh, I'll share some more. <laughs> I don't think we'll have to be running out of people in order to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just going to give oh, you a call. We'll just give you another <laughs> call. <laughs> You keep loading me up with compliments like that. I'm going to definitely be ready to be ready to come back. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you again so much for being with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk with a businesswoman who is crushing it in the online space. If you want to build the tallest building, don't start building at the first floor. Your legacy needs a strong foundation, and our financial class is here to help. Use promo code 2020 for 50% off. You'll get six months of access to this inspiring overhaul of your finances to build a lasting legacy. Visit LegacyBuildersInternational.com slash courses for more info. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com slash courses and use promo code 2020 by December 31st. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. Because Adriano is a financial advisor, it's important that we read off this disclaimer as part of the episode. 
Adriano Batista can be reached at the True North Advisory Group branch office located at 11300 86th Avenue North, Maple Grove, Minnesota 55369. Adriano's branch office phone number is 763-971-9211 and his direct line is 763-971-9239. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, RAA, member FINRA SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RAA.